right, welcome to the Chaz Palmetary Podcast. Another new episode here. This episode again, people love this, where I answer questions, neighborhood logic. Gotta have neighborhood logic, man. Don't go to a shrink. Why are you gonna go to a shrink, right, John? Pay what? Pay three, four hundred dollars, three, four hundred dollars an hour. Well, we got you. You got me. It's free. I've been seeing a shrink. I, I've been uh, the shrink for thirty years. You know how much money I gave him? I put a new wing on his house. Please trust me. But I always, you know, people don't realize this. But I always, I said, if I wasn't an actor, I would be a psychiatrist because I just love. I just love helping people, and I, I, for whatever it is, my own shrink said that I would have made a great shrink. He said it. And my shrink is one of the greatest in the world, Dr. Phil Stutz, who, if he doesn't see people anymore, he just kind of said, nah, it's too much, I can't do it. You know, he retired, and now he just writes books. But he still talks to me, because I put a new wing on his house. But um, I, I've always felt that I just get very clear with people and, and see their problems very clearly, and, and I could say it, you know. Anyway, you save a lot of money. But before I do that, I just want to remind you, chaspalmetary.net, you want to see the one-man show, show that started it all. I'm going to be, okay, September 10th at the Lancaster PA, American Music Theater. Okay, September 17th, Detroit. Detroit at the Music Hall. Folks, October 1st. Put that date down. The first time in 15 years I will be back on Broadway at the Town Hall, 43rd Street. One night only. One night. And this is going to be the first time I ever did a talk back with the audience. At the end of the show, there's going to be microphones out of the audience. You could ask me questions about my life, the show. We could talk about the musical. We could talk about the movie. Great stories. Could be a few surprise guests. I can't say who they are. because it's too early yet. Uh, October 8th, Springfield, Massachusetts. The MGM Casino. I'll be doing the one-man show. October 9th, in Boston. The Emerson Colonial Theater. Come on, there's a lot of Italians in Boston. Come out and support me here. I love playing Boston. And November 11th and the 12th, I'll be in Pittsburgh, PA, at the Byram Theater. That's what's happening. Also, folks, I am going to be doing another podcast with my dear friend, Michael Francis. You know Michael Francis. He's the legend, legendary crime boss. Turned his life around. And uh, him and I together. And the name of the show, it'll be Palmentary Francis, but it'll be called... The wise and the wise guy. Palmentary and Francis. Him and I are going to have a ball with that. So that's coming up soon, so check that out. So let's get the first one for Neighborhood Logic here. This is from Taylor Taglinetti. My name is Taylor Taglinetti. I am the founder of the National Organization of Italian Americans in Film and Television. Oh, we got a big shot here. Okay. I'm writing to see if you'd be interested in, in interviewing the Guinness. He is in the Guinness World Records, the oldest practicing doctor for your podcast. Wow. He's a huge fan of my podcast. 
Um, he's doing a documentary of this guy, Dr. Howard Tucker. Absolutely. Tuck, get him on this show. Howard Tucker, I would love to talk to him. He's a neurologist from Cleveland, will be turning 100 in July, and has no plans of retiring. Oh, my God. I love to talk to older people like that, especially when they have, you know, when they still have all their marbles like that. He's been practicing medicine for 75 years. He teaches at St. Vincent Charity Medical Center in Cleveland. Wow. Wow. He received his... And he, his what? He passed the Ohio Bar Exam and received his law degree in the late 60s. Who is this guy? He was on the front line serving patients in person at a hospital during the height of the pandemic. Wow, he served in the Navy during World War II and was chief of neurology for the Atlantic Fleet during the Korean War. This guy is a history book. He's a legitimate hero. Hero? I, I, I bow at his feet, this man. And he has an 88-year-old wife who's also a practicing psychiatrist. I got to have them both on the show. Wow. They work out, walk on miles on the treadmill, in addition, snowshoeing in the winter. Folks, you know what? Look at these two people. What the hell have you done with your life, huh? Including me. Oh, my God. You think you've done something in your life? Look at these two. Taylor, please email me. We'll get him on the show because, wow. I want to talk to this guy. I think that would be great. Right, John? Wouldn't that be great? Keep that to? tab open. We'll email him after the show. Definitely email him after the show. Okay, who's this by? Horace. Oh, you wish me a happy birthday. Horace, thanks a lot. I appreciate that, Horace. Horace Torres. Happy birthday. But I, that was May 15th. That was my birthday. But Horace, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Let's see. What's after? Uh, Logan? Logan Dunker. Okay, let's let's look at Drucker. Log, Logan Drucker, D R U C K E R, and he's a he watches my podcast and he said, and I just rewatched the one with you with psychic abilities. He said he had a feeling, but he just wanted to send me an email. He's 19 years old, second year biology major at Stony Brook University. I certainly understand that it's impossible to judge my character, what kind of person I am, through a single email. However, I've always felt that something was going to happen that would change my life for the better, and maybe getting to be on your podcast would do it. Who knows? Maybe your psychic abilities have been telling you that you would receive an email like this one. Boy, was that... as a sales pitch. Was that a sales pitch or what, John? <laughs> Logan, I got to give it to you. I've heard, uh, I've heard sales pitches before, but a psychic ability. Okay, let me, let me work on the psychic ability about you being on my podcast. Hold it. Are you ready, John? Logan Drucker, D-R-U-C-K-E-R. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's not going to happen. I, I, I can't do it. I, I, I'm sure... <laughs> 
I'm sure that you might have some psychic ability, but I like to bring on people who um, you're not old school, you're not a celebrity. Uh, do a nineteen years old, uh, Logan. You don't have much to tell tell us. You know, go out and live your life. Then call me back and let me know. Let me think about it now. Let me get psychic with you. Ah, come back when you're 25, and we'll try again. All right? All right. Who's next here? Let's see. Gary. What about Gary? Gary, hi, Chaz. I love the podcast. Never miss it. Such a nice guy. Uh, my question is that my late dad was a close friend of Ralph Basalmo? who owned the funeral parlor on Westchester Avenue. Yeah, I know him. Did you know him? I met him once. My dad and Dutchie grew up in East Harlem. My best to you and your family. Gary Granito, Pittsburgh. I think I met him once. Yeah. I went to a wake there. Some wise guy got whacked, if, I, if I'm not, if I, I forgot the wise guy's name. You know? Uh, what is this, French, Francesco? Chaz, I really enjoyed being there for the 1000 show in Staten Island. He came to the show. I came all the way from Denver for the sole purpose of seeing the show and have to say, wow, what a show. I told you, folks, go to chazpalmetary.net if you want to see it. I got a question for you, though. Have you written other plays? If you have, have you thought about you or your son doing your one-man show for them. I thought about my son doing my one-man show one day. Not yet, when I get older. But when I get what I just don't want to do it anymore or whatever. But I ha I've had written other plays. I've had written a, a, a wonderful hit play called Faithful. F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L. Uh, you can get you can pick that up with Samuel French. It's a wonderful play. It's a three-person play. It became a movie, and I did it with Cher and Ryan O'Neill. You could pick up the movie too, but the play, I love the play. The play was really, really, really terrific. And I've written, obviously, other plays, but uh, I, that's the one you should pick up. But I've written mostly, you know, movies and uh, television. Let's see, what else here? Alexander. Alexander from, Ale I'm a, he's from the UK. Wow. I just want to say it would be a delight to possibly see you in the future performing your one-man show in the UK. Alex, Alexander, I am coming to the UK. I am coming to the West End. I might be there this year. I don't know, and I wouldn't say that if it wasn't going to happen. Uh, a Bronx Tale, the one-man show, is coming to the UK. Watch this channel, and I will give you the date. I will absolutely give you the date when it happens. But I held off in saying that till I knew it might really happen one day. And you know what, folks? I think it's going to happen. I'm real excited. Julie Naples. Julie Naples. Wait, are you from Naples? Julie. My name. Okay, where is this Julie Naples? Let's see. Here, where's the question, Julie? I don't see it. I wanted to share my husband's reaction with you when I gave him tickets for your upcoming show. Oh, that's so nice of you. 
Oh, they they adopted three beautiful daughters over the last 19 years. Oh, this sounds like they've had a great life. Uh, I am a waitress and save up my holiday tips and got balcony seats to see your show. His reaction is priceless. I just thought you would appreciate a live video. Oh, wow, that's so nice. I don't think we could put, I don't, I don't want to put that live video on the air, but it was a very, I saw that. It was really, really nice. Julie Naples, a real fan. Julie Naples, you are a real fan. God bless you. And um, I really hope to uh, meet you one day if you ever see my show again. So many people like to come and see the show, and it's like, uh, you know, I, I just love doing it. I've been doing it for 34 years. I did my 1,000th show at Staten Island. That was, uh, John, you were there. You saw it. Yeah, I was. It was. I went there with high expectations, and I left like, I mean, I was so amazed after it. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's just a great show, and um, I'd like you to come and see it. I hope you can. Okay, let's get to the next question. Okay, what's this? John Rajizzi? John Rajizzi. Uh, oh, well, this guy's not. I saw you on Broadway back in 208. Would you ever come back again to Broadway? John, you got to listen to the <laughs> October 1st. I'm coming back for one night only at the Town Hall Theater on 43rd Street. One night only. I will be there. So that should be really exciting. Really exciting. Okay, what's this question here? The question is, oh, what do you feel about the Second Amendment, about gun rights, and what happened in Texas? Well, now for those of you who know me, you know I stay away from politics. But sometimes I, I'll get a subject that's really... Uh, really means something to me. So I'll answer this question, and this might take us maybe to the end, John. I'm not sure. Um, again, I stay away from politics. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. I believe in common sense, and I keep my affiliations basically to myself. But you know what? I'm glad somebody asked that question because I, um, I'm a pro-Second Amendment person. I do believe that people have the right to be armed. I believe that a government who doesn't trust their citizens to be armed is a government that you shouldn't trust. I really do believe that. Uh, but and also, I respect the fact that some of these laws could change, absolutely. Could we raise the age to 21 for someone buying a, 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 a weapon like that, yes, I think we should. Could we look in their background checks? If I mean, before you sell any weapon to anyone, not just 1821, could we do a background check, please? Could we really check on their life? And I think social media should be part of that. I think when you give a person a license, you should be able to check their social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, because this is their life up to there, especially now 
you know, when you check somebody's life today, they've been on social media for a long time. If they're 21 years old, God, they've been, they've been on social media since they were kids, right? So I think you should check that. Don't you think so, John? I agree. And a lot of these shooters or people that are killing other people, I mean, they post to social media that they're going to do it before it happens. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, so I think, yeah. Could you have red flag laws? Yes. I think you can. I think you got to look at the people that are doing the red flag laws. I think that's important. But folks, here's the deal. You're not going to take away all the guns in America. You're just not. It's impossible. There's a gun culture here in America. Beers are made. That's how it started 250 years ago, and that's how it is. So what can we do right away? What can we do right away? Okay, the first thing you have to do is you have to stop. You have to arm the schools. Seriously, you have to put a guard in the front, in the back. You have to stop it. You have to. Let's do that first because there are mentally ill people out there who see these things and they do copycat stuff. So let's, let's pass some laws. I agree with you. I'm okay with that, folks. Let's pass some laws, but let's, what can we do immediately? They did this in Israel. We all know that. I'm God in the front. I'm God in the back. School shooting, stop. In my neighborhood growing up, I, you know the story. The wise guys' cars were being broken into. They grabbed a few uh, of the junkies. They told them. They said to the, the, the leaders, of, the leaders of, the, of this gang, they said, hey, you want to rob cars? Don't rob from this side of the street. Rob from that side. If you rob from this side of the street, you'll be gone. No more robberies. No more robberies. That's it. Stops. Fear works. You have criminals running around now. There are no fear. That's a whole other story. I didn't want to get into that. But, you know, the, all these people who, are, who want to stop the gun culture, could we start? Could we start, please, with Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, the inner cities, all these places. Do you know... There are seven, eight shootings every day in New York. I think there's more than, if I'm not mistaken, 50 people get shot over the weekend. Some die in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia. 50 get shot. I don't know how many die. Could we stop that too? Could we stop that first? As you know, I do a lot of motivational speaking. I go to a lot of inner cities, high schools especially. I like to get the kids young. I've been to uh, uh, Baltimore, the uh, juvenile prison. I've been to uh, the Arthur Kill in Staten Island. That was not juvenile. That was more adult. Um, and I see these young men, and it's sad. It's sad to see these young men giving up their lives like this. They feel more safe in jail than they did out in the street. They told me this. They do better in jail school-wise than they did out in the street. You know what I think we should do? 
You know, the remember how they went after the mafia with the Rico law, John? You know, Rico? They should do that with the gangs. Well, you they, have to get the guns off the street. Illegal guns. You have to get illegal guns off the street and off the hands of these people. If I put a gun down, the gun doesn't do it. It's the person who grabs that gun who commits the crime. But if people are not afraid, how could you have... Do you see these... Go on YouTube. You see these videos of shootouts in New York. I'm talking about in the street like it's the OK Corral. These people have no fear. These young kids have no fear. And you can't have that. Okay? Did you see that 12-year-old that um, pointed a gun at the convenience store clerk? Yeah. Oh, my God. 12 years old. He shot a warning shot without hesitation. He didn't even flinch. He didn't even flinch. I mean, these young kids have no fear. And I'm not talking about just minorities. I'm talking about white, black, Hispanic. I'm talking about everybody here. Nobody has fear anymore. Can't have that. Can't have it. Another thing they do in other countries, which is interesting, is they don't mention the shooter's name ever. It's illegal to mention the shooter's name because it gives them recognition. And a lot of the times, the people that do it here, they want the recognition. I agree. These people want recognition. I think we shouldn't even mention it. I, I agree with that. But I know this person asked me about what happened in Texas. What those cops did was wrong. Was wrong. You, you stand there for an hour... An hour? What are you waiting for? I know what they were waiting for. They were waiting for you know the SWAT team. They come with the the big shield. You walk behind the shield. All the all the cops they stack up behind the shield and they go in. But you know what, folks? You didn't have that. You didn't have that. You had superior firepower. Plus, you had bulletproof vest. Sorry, that's why we pay you. That's your job. That's why you do that and we don't, okay? You're supposed to have the balls to do that and the courage to do that. And kids were bleeding out. Kids were bleeding out while you were waiting to get a key and go in. And remember one thing. When you go in and you shoot and you get his attention on you, what does that mean? That means he's not shooting the kids. He's shooting at you. Look, nobody wants to get shot. Okay, I, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a hero, but I've been shot at, you know, when I was young, and it's not fun. Knock on wood, I didn't get hit, but I've seen guys get hit, and it hurts. <laughs> it's not fun. But that's your job, guys. I think that chief should be fired immediately. Immediately. Did you hear his excuse? What was his excuse? He said he didn't have his radio, so he couldn't hear what was going on inside. And the reason that he didn't have his radio is because the antenna was going to get in his face or something like that. Uh, Guys, come on. I mean, people went in there. After a while, they just, uh, I think it was the Border Patrol, went in there and said, no, with this, and they went in there. They did it. They They were fine. There's a mom that went in there. Did you a see mom that video? In. Yeah. She broke the windows and got her kids out from another side. A mother, an arm went in on the other side of the building. You're right. They even handcuffed her before she did that. 
That's right. I mean, guys, I'm sorry. You screwed up. You screwed up. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm sorry we didn't get to more questions here on this neighborhood logic, but uh, this got me on a rant here. But look, I think it's time for the parties to come together and have some sensible laws here. Raising the age, I'm okay with that. Background checks, I'm okay with that. But you got to go into the social media background checks of anybody who applies for a gun. Anybody, no matter what age, especially the young people. Especially the young people. Because you're going to see things about them when they were 14, 15, 16. That might be telltale signs. And you know what? If they said some stupid things, maybe they shouldn't get a gun. They shouldn't. But you're not going to change the culture in America because there's a lot of law-abiding citizens in this country who have hobbies, who carry guns, who are good people. Folks, do you know over a million incidences every year are stopped because somebody has a gun? You don't hear about those. Somebody, you know, people are going to rob somebody in the woods. He takes out a gun, stops them. I read about these things all the time. We don't hear about those. So I, I know they asked me that question. I hope I, I went off on a little bit of a tantrum here about that. And again, you know me, I don't like to speak about politics, but sometimes something like this, all these young boys, these young boys and girls in these inner cities are dying, folks. They're dying. They're all going to jail. I go in there, I speak to them. Attempted homicides, 15, 16 years old. You got to get the guns off the streets, the illegal guns off the streets, in the hands of these people. When I say these people, these gangs, and there's a lot of different gangs, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, all gangs. We should use the RICO Act, okay? And fentanyl, that's a whole nother thing. 100,000 young men and women died last year from fentanyl. You don't think the government could stop this? You don't think if we really wanted to, we could stop the fentanyl? Am I saying cut it completely off, but we could stop it more? And, and, it, and it's all, it's, it's our government, folks. I'm sorry. Not, and it's not just this government. It has been. Look at when, you know, uh, the Republicans when Bush, no child left behind. They all were left behind. Has anything changed since then? Okay. Has anything changed since then? Well, even before that, they had the D.A.R.E. program, and that essentially did the opposite of what they intended to do. That got more kids on drugs. More kids on drugs. Uh, we had Bill Clinton. Okay, he tried to put everybody in jail. I, I, you know, with the, you know I, I don't know, and I don't want to quote things, but what did that do? Put so many young people in jail for years, the three strike, but uh, for years over, over a thing of marijuana. Guys, you got to get your shit together. Obama, I voted for Obama, but he was in office for eight years. Is Chicago still the same? He's from there. Barack, come on, do something for your city. Really? Weapons of mass destruction? Really? We spent $3 trillion in the war? 
Three trillion. You think that money, you think some of that money could have helped the inner cities? Helped our people? You got to get together here on this, folks. Sorry. You all got to get together here. All these presidents, every one of them, we still have all this shit going on in the inner cities. All these young kids have been getting shot, killed, nine-year-old kids getting assassinated in an alleyway, and nobody's doing nothing. There's a mass shooting every week in these cities. Do you realize that? A mass shooting every week. I'm sorry I went on a rant with this, John, but we have to stop it. We have to stop it. And there's just there's no way you're going to disarm America. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's a, it's a gun culture. We've had it for 250 years. That's the way it is. But let's try to do something that makes it better. But we all got to work together. We all got to work together. We can't politicize these things. Common sense. Common sense. How could we continue to watch the carnage every week in Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, Baltimore? How? Show each side that we're willing to cooperate, and maybe we can get an answer, and we could stop this violence. Well, listen, we got that's out of time. We got. Are we not, is that it, John? We're good. All right. God bless you all. Please. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to even talk after that because, you know, I go to these prisons, folks. I speak to these young boys and girls. They feel safer in jail than they do out in the street. They told me that. So please, I beg, I beg all the politicians out there, let's do something together. I'm with you. I'll march with you together. God bless you all. And don't forget on my new podcast coming with Michael Francis. The wise and the wise guy. That's me and Michael. I'll see you next week.